What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Your window may not be great right now, but here on Post Show Recap, whip, whip, everything is super. Talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, the latest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the latest movie in the Spider-Man series, potentially the final movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Spider-Man trilogy, and so many other things that I'm not prepared to say at this point in time because we're still in the spoiler-free section of this podcast. We are going to be doing spoiler-free takes on Spider-Man No Way from uh, No Way Home. No Way Home. No Way Far From Home. <laughs> so what I was going to say. That's Kevin Mahadeo. I'm Josh Wiggler. Hi, Kevin. No Way Far From Homecoming. <laughs> no Just... Way Far From Homecoming. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Uh, we're going to be spoiler-free for the first portion of this because we know not everybody has seen it. Some people might be just trying to vibe check. You know, like, what's your vibes on the movie? Was it good? We'll tell you that. We'll tell you what we thought about it. We'll give you general broad stroke shapes of the movie uh, for those of you who have not yet been able to see it. And then we will dive into full Mondo spoiler territory. First of all, Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I I think I went into this movie continuously just making my fingers and hands do the twip twip motion like yep. just back and forth i watched like that a dance i saw you and do I, that yeah i kept doing that all the way there and i think even leaving i still feel like just twip twipping uh all over the place so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing i'm doing pretty good uh on this film especially how about you joshua how, how are you doing as we are still live and in person here uh, one last time one last time here one last podcast of one course yes i've been time. i've been visiting with kevin for the last several days and we are still in that state and it's a beautiful thing uh but like all, all good things must come to an end which is a nice no. way of segueing us into talking about spitterman uh no way home which yeah i mean so just the vibe check right like did you guys like it loved it Loved it. Uh, yeah, I loved I it. really enjoyed it. Loved, loved the movie. I don't know if I'm in a love it territory, but I definitely really liked it, really enjoyed myself. It was such a fun ride, a wonderful experience. The The act of watching this movie, I have nothing negative to say. I think it was fun all the way through. Once I sit, it's one of those things where if I sit down and think about it a little bit longer, 
I didn't love it. There's like why think? plot things. But why yeah. think? Why I mean, I think? Why now think when, especially why think? Why but. think when you can feel? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I know with Kevin that can be difficult. Uh, <laughs> so I, I am trying to be cognizant of that. But no, it was uh, an utter, utter delight. Uh, it, it was a lot. Actually, I mean, it really does make you run uh, a wide gamut of emotions. Um, there are aspects of this movie that are really sad, very sad. Uh, there are parts of this film that are just make you feel feelings that you're. You feel I don't, a lot I don't of need to feel that right now. You feel so many feelings in this film. Everything else is horrible. I don't need this. The world outside my window. It's not great. <laughs> and it's still not great. And sometimes it feels worse. I don't need to feel that bad. But then there are other things that happen in this movie where you're like, oh my God. And sometimes those two things collide. Yo, um, yes. And we're not getting into the specifics of what's in the movie. Um, Kevin famously watches a trailer and then tries to check out as completely as he possibly can. I know you did that for this one as much as possible, except for the time that I made you look at Daredevil's arms in a trailer. (laughs) Uh, When we we watched the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, we will weigh in on whether or not those were Daredevil's arms as we get deeper into the uh, spoiler-filled podcast uh, section of the podcast. But no, we can't answer that right now. We can't tell you whether or not those were Daredevil's arms, but we have an answer. Uh, as to those arms, uh, so we will get into that when we get in here. But for you, having not seen um, all of the marketing material, and certainly I, I would think that this is spoiler-free enough to also say there's other surprises in the movie that were not tipped off, uh, you know, in a in an official capacity at least. Um, are you happy that that is the way you engaged this movie? That you really, as much as you could. Zeroed, uh, zeroed out the noise. A billion percent, yeah. Like a billion, billion, trillion, million, billion percent. Um, I no ragrats over this. Like, I, I, there's so much that happens in this movie. There's so many cool things that occur, and I think, like to your point, there's probably surprises that people didn't know. But even then, like going in completely blank, except for like maybe one or two things, obviously from that first trailer. Uh, I think that was such a wonderful experience to be able to like get these notes and not really you know accidentally piece together stuff like what happened with eternals or accidentally get like spoiled on something really cool um so yeah i i i mean look it's each their own i know like some people don't care about spoilers and that's fine but if you are a person who cares about spoilers if you are a person who kind of wants to experience some of these things really just fresh and i know it's hard to avoid this stuff but like i would i would say like yeah tap out of some of the trailers like Trailers today go a little bit too hard, especially trailer number two. I think trailer number one is always like a nice teasy trailer. You know, you want to get the interest, but come on. I mean, like there's so much in here that I didn't know was happening. And to get to experience it live in a theater, you know, with a crowd that we had, I think it was really cool. Yeah, it was a really great audience movie uh, to, to be there with people who were who were just shouting like, let's go, Spider-Man, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like, it, you know, it really it really <laughs> did feel like you were in there in New York with Spider-Man. So that that was great. And we were in Los Angeles uh, with Spider-Man. Here's what I'll say to kind of counter your point, though, at least specifically to this movie. So I watched all the trailers uh, and I am a person who tends to be aware of the internet chatter because I am extremely online, often to my own chagrin. Um, so I felt like it was going to be hard for Spider-Man No Way Home to surprise me with much. 
and yet I still felt very, very awed by the movie. And I think as much as you think you know what's going to happen in Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm not even necessarily saying that maybe uh, that like you have no idea what you're in for. I'm not even necessarily saying that. I am saying I think if you think you know what you're in for, you're probably still going to have a blast. Yes. I think that to your point, right, the surprise of this movie, even if you maybe knew everything, is the emotions that come with certain beats that I don't think you could have predicted. And I can't really go into detail about that without hitting we will, ter- yeah. territory, but um, it's probably the best way to put it. You can You can go in knowing a lot, but this movie will surprise you with the things it makes you feel. There, uh, this is the fourth Marvel Cinematic Universe movie of the year. Uh, there's uh, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, No Way Home. That's insane. I didn't realize there's been four already. There's My four God. this year. And it, started, and it was all back half of the year, too. Yeah. So it's been really, really packed. Um, is this an easy first place for you? Uh, unquestionably. Yeah. Unquestionably. I mean, look, uh, I think... Because one of the things that you've been talking about a lot is sort of the oddness of Phase Four. Yes. If you listen to any of our other podcasts, our, our our Hawkeye coverage right now, but also just all of the MCU stuff that we've been doing since we've had new MCU stuff to talk about, a lot of Kevin's take has been strange choices coming into Phase Four. The pacing mm-hmm. uh, of when to do certain projects has been something that you have remarked upon. Uh, like Black Widow, why is that happening? Why are we getting a Phase Three movie to kick off Phase Four? Um, these kinds of questions. That part will never change uh <laughs> no matter what they do i'm still like why did they you know that i think a, a nickname for no way home uh even before people saw it is spider-man end game right that yeah. it sort of seemed like it would be that kind of an event for the spider-man franchise writ large um did it live up to that for you in terms of size scale and appropriateness of where we are and what we're expecting from these movies moving forward yeah and so that's 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 my thing right like black widow is an anomaly it feels almost weird to even talk about it in the same breath as the other ones at this point because it, again it just doesn't fit into where we are but if you look at shang chi and you look at eternals especially those are my complaints that it just feels like it's so disconnected it feels like marvel didn't want to bet on those movies in the way that they are so easily willing to bet on spider-man because it's a it's a payoff that you know is going to be there um and like People talk about like, well, there's gonna obviously it's gonna pay off eventually. It's like, well, sure, maybe. Um, you know, they'll see how things goes. If Eternals, they felt like they didn't get the, the their money's worth. Who knows when we'll see Harry Styles again? But like, this is the thing with like this movie, um, is big, is huge, does have so much impact. And I I think that the style, the size and scope might have swung too far the other way in in certain aspects. But I think in terms of my complaint about like connecting to a grander tapestry, really feeling like it's setting up what's coming in the future, at least for the very least, what's coming next. Yes, it does that. Shang-Chi and Eternals have these small teases that could be like, it means something. It's very, uh, man, I go to this guy a lot, but he's the king of it. It's very J.J. Abrams, where it's just like, something's going to happen, but we're not going to tell you. The mystery um, box. The mystery box, right? Like, you don't know what the payoff is. And at least There's in, a mystery box in this film, by the way. They're, they're quite literally. But, like, you think about Iron Man, right? Like, Nick Fury saying the word Avengers, you know what's coming. And if you don't know, someone will tell you. Same thing with Avengers, Thanos. People didn't know who that was, but other people did know and weren't able to tell those people. For Shang-Chi and Eternals, we know very little about what any of it means and what it's going to pay off to. In this movie, not the case. Not only does the movie leave very direct lines of where this could go, 
I'll just say a post credit scene literally will show you where it goes. So that's that's the difference here. This feels like it really does set up stuff to go forward in the MCU to set up what Phase 4 is truly going to be. And I think that's really cool. I feel like it's unfortunate that they're still treating a lot of these newer shows and properties like Phase 1 show or uh, movies. And I get it. Look, I understand the world we live in. Money, money, money. So, like, you you, you don't want to take too hard of a bet on untested IP. Uh, and you want to put all your eggs in the, in the Spidey basket because that is basically, like, you're betting black and it's going to show up black. You know it. Um, so, I understand it. It's just, to me, unfortunate that that is how sort of that played out with those other two films. Uh, just quickly to your point on post-credit stuff, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, not spoil the content of the post credit scene, but I will uh, tell you a little bit about what one of the post credit scenes is kind of is without telling you what it is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But just to if you if you follow along with the Kevin uh, protocol of you don't want to see trailers or anything like that, um, uh, leave the theater before the the final post credit scene, uh, which is the is the uh, at the very 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 end after all of the credits. Not the mid credits. Mid credits is fine. Post credits is more of a trailer. Uh, so if you don't like the trailer stuff, you could you could dip out by then. Um, otherwise, stick around. Um, so all all of that being said, I I hear your points. I I think that um this movie is really really hitting it off with with uh the audience. Uh, I certainly our barometer, Kevin, is the post show recaps patron discord which you can become a member of at patreon.com slash post show recaps come sign up hang out with like-minded uh and uh you know fans and and friends who you're going to meet with fellow interests a really great time and the spider-man chatter has been lit kevin uh and so many people have loved the movie have seen the movie just to shout out a few of the people who've been really occupying the Spider-Man um, topic that we've got in the Marvel Cinematic Universe channel. Kate just saw it, loved it. Riley, uh, who is a huge, huge fan of the uh, the Toby trilogy, especially those original Raimi Spider-Man movies, loves this movie. I think charts it as a as a perfect MCU movie for Riley. Jank, <laughs> uh, Jankinator uh, has seen it twice already. I believe Ariel has seen it twice already. I know Cutesy and um, uh, another Josh had also seen it uh, earlier since they uh, live beyond the borders of the u.s of a uh just so many different people i know i'm not even shouting out everybody tom is in there as well so many people are in there having really really fun vibrant conversations mike bloom's in there april's doing her thing um and people in our community are loving this movie and i think it is just there there are probably some logic loopholes that we are going to have to like bob and weave through um have to is maybe not even actually correct uh but we may choose to uh engage those things um but i think that the emotional feelings of watching this movie for me pretty hard not to let that run the day i don't mean to drag anybody but i do know that there's certain people out there who have some logic problems with the movie that's getting in the way of them enjoying the film (coughs) Chappelle. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just had to sneeze off mic uh, real quick. Uh, not off Mike Bloom, who also saw the film and loved it. Um, there's a lot to love in, in terms of how it makes you feel and in terms of uh, just the general vibe of the movie. If you are a fan of the history of the live-action Spider-Man movies, um, it's really hard not to walk away with some big smile on your face. It's also hard 
to talk about this much longer without talking about spoilers because we're really yeah we're really heading into that territory. I think that that's the that's the gist. Uh, you know, it's it's a huge event level movie, but it also does find ways of um, you know being personal in so many different surprising ways. It's personal to the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. It's personal in other ways. Um, it's a it's an impressive feat. It is another one of those man, Kevin Feige, you're really good at your job. I mean, it's Spider-Man's his, his guy. Like, Spider-Man's his favorite uh, superhero. I think this is well-known. And you really do see that here in many yeah. ways that we'll, we will get into. Yeah, just the ability, though, to to juggle all the things that must be juggled in this movie, considering the amount of uh, food they put on the plate and chose to eat in a one solitary bite. The fact that it all goes down and it is a delight is, uh, is, is shocking. Uh, yeah, I think, like, we talked about the Raimi third film and studio interference and how that really affected that third movie, right? I think Feige was dealing with a lot of multiple studio stuff in this case and still managed to actually pull something off. Not to even take away, obviously, from John Watts, the director, Chris McKenna, and, oh, my God, I'm blanking on the other person who wrote this movie. Uh, but, like, their ability to to piece together the story from what I think was probably a lot of cooks at least peeking their heads into the kitchen, if not standing in the kitchen. You guys good? You need anything? You yeah. good? You good? Yeah, we're good. Get out of here. We're making the dinner. Yeah. Let's make this food. Please. You gave us an ingredients list. We're going to make it. Yeah. Jesus, just sit down and wait till it comes out. Uh, yeah. Chris McKenna and Eric Summers is Thank you. who you are. Uh, oh, the third Summers brother. Uh, the th- <laughs> 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 yeah, that might be the fourth uh, The fourth Summers brother. Uh, special shout out to Chris McKenna. What a great guy. Um, okay. We are going to throw it to a commercial at this point in time. And when we come back, we're getting into spoilers. We're talking about the whole thing. So if you have not yet seen Spider-Man No Way Home... This is the time to turn off the podcast. We're coming back in a few days with uh, the Hawkeye finale, so we will resume our Hawkeye coverage in just a little while. We've got the extra podcast at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. Free to listen to, even if you're not a patron, uh, where Kevin and I are talking about all things X-Men and other assorted shenanigans. Uh, so consider checking that out at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. See you at some point in the future. If you're checking out now, if you are sticking around on the other side of this commercial break, on the other side of this spoiler warning, we're just going to start shouting and saying words and spoiling things and then talking about the things that we have just spoiled recklessly. Uh, so stick around. You'll enjoy that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Toby Maguire! Andrew Garfield! Oh, Peter, <laughs> Peter 1, Peter 2, Peter, Peter 3! Three. Oh my god! My god. Dr. Okay. Octopus! I, Green uh, Goblin, Willem Dafoe, out of his mind! Aunt May! Aunt May! Uh, Aunt May! Where Jamie Foxx! I can't believe Jamie I'm going to say Jamie Foxx! Jamie Foxx! As a positive in this movie, but Jamie Thomas Hayden Church... He's fine. He was there. He's fine. He's there. Yeah. Uh, Reese Ipins. You're kind of fun. Yeah. Lizard, kind of fun. Um, he can talk. 
Those weren't those weren't Daredevil's arms, but Daredevil's there's one weren't. arm yes. is very. I good. love that. Like dude, you talked so much early on about Daredevil's arms, I was so ready to be like, to be fair, those those weren't Daredevil's arms, but Daredevil's in this movie yeah. specifically. One Charles Matthew Cox. I that's not his middle Charles name. Charles Matthew Cox. I just made that up. Yeah. Um, where to even begin with the fact that this really is Spider-Man Endgame because it is not only just like throwing so much into this from uh, the previous Spider-Man movies, but doing it in a way that's fairly deft. It's it's really impressive. It's, it's imp- Look, it's impressive. It's juggling a lot of those stuff. Like I said, a, sh- a shout out to the writers and Kevin Feige and the director. I think they did a great job with the, I think, the directions they had to go in. Yes, to Chappelle's point, he wanted me to agree with him. I don't think I fully agree with him, but there are logic loopholes. There's problems. I'll touch on them. I'm not going to focus too much on them uh, because there's this movie delivers on a lot of levels. We keep saying Endgame, but look, we gotta we gotta call it what it is. This is Spider Verse. Like it is not Endgame level. It's Spider Verse level. Do they do it as well as that? No, sure. But like, do they deliver on a lot of it's really different cool pieces? It's different. I think. I mean, you know, it's it's literally a Spider Man movie dealing with a multiverse. So in that level, well, also, it's very similar. Also about who Spider Man is ultimately. Like the idea of Spider Man and what he stands for and what he does and why he is Spider Man. What makes him spider-man that was what spider-verse was about and a large element of that is this ideally most spider-man stories are going to be about what spider-man is ideally you know so like if if the complaint there for some people is well this is just spider-verse and it's just you know telling a story of what does it mean to be spider-man that's what spider-man stories are yeah you know what does it mean to be somebody who has great power and great responsibility and what does it mean to wield that uh, and to finally get that line in the MCU version of things as they turn Aunt May into Uncle, Uncle ben. ben. They Uncle Ben Aunt May. Yep. Oh, I'm still very upset about it. But um, one reason why I think it's, you know, it's very similar, obviously, to Spider-Verse. But what it's doing that is so impressive to me is it's trading on... 20 years of history Uh, obviously much more than that when it comes to you know the the 1960s debut of the character and all the history that's come from that but very specifically it is trading on the history of two previous iterations of the spider-man film franchise bringing that in in a way that is um effectively sequelizing spider-man 3 and the amazing spider-man 2 and and effectively in those regards only in like the last third of the movie only in the last third in the right spot in the right time and we can we can get into some of those details but in a way that like man i I know we were shouting and screaming and it seems weird to be shouting like understandably shouting for toby mcguire but for me shouting about andrew garfield seems unheard of we you you go back in time a year ago when kevin and i we finished our marvel cinematic universe rewatch and the very next thing we did was do the Mm spider-man uh walk through we crawled through those movies and on the ceiling getting the cobwebs out of the corner uh and we did not like the andrew garfield spider-man movies and and frankly i don't think i think we were even less impressed by him and those movies then maybe we even expected to be going into it being like oh well that will be the good part and even then it just didn't feel right um and yeah i think that there is certainly because the last third of the movie dominates so much of your headspace leaving the film leaving the theater um that i think for me and i think it's the same for you Andrew Garfield kind of walks away having stolen the movie. He stole the movie. Like, I I remember when we were talking about Hawkeye, right? Like, I said, F this show for making me care about Hawkeye. Like, F this movie for making me love Andrew Garfield as as Peter Parker. They did such a good job with... 
I think the the mistakes of the previous film, calling a lot of that stuff out, you know, and then talking about some of the weird stuff, even from the Toby things. But like for Andrew Griffith specifically, really emphasizing the positive qualities of him as an actor. He's always been a good actor. And we've I think we've said this even. It's just like, I really would have liked to see a good script in this guy's hands. And we finally get that. We finally get a good script in his hands by people who I think love the character enough to be able to write Peter Parker but different like they're all they all are uniquely different i like that a lot about them um again that's the spider-verse-ness of it all but just holy crap i mean like look let's just talk about the scene the most emotional scene in this movie that they like set up and pay off and i didn't think they were gonna pay it off but like he talks about briefly not being able to save gwen as they're all emotionally talking about the people they couldn't save uncle ben gwen stacy aunt may in this particular case and they set up his story about how he couldn't get to her in time and that moment when mary jane or not mary jane mj is falling off the empire or the empire statue of liberty yeah and Tom Holland gets knocked aside as he can't save her, and he dives down, rescues her, and the emotion on his face is incredible. It's such a, an insanely well paid off emotional beat that I think takes the takes like it takes the the web, the cake, the whatever you want to say for this movie in that moment. Uh, not to mention all his little like jokes and stuff that he makes throughout. I think is Peter just three. so good. Yeah. yeah, knowing like you said, I think he knows who he is. He's Peter three. I he just love because at first I was like, well, why don't they just do this? Toby Peter one. Andrew Peter 2 and Tom Peter 3 because that's the order in which and so it's obviously it's Tom Holland's movie so he's going to be Peter 1 uh but I just uh, so it, it shifts Toby to 2 and when Andrew Garfield raises his his exasperated Peter 3 is it <laughs> I know where you guys rank me I get it is <laughs> so funny that the movie leaned into that stuff there's that moment where they're like you're amazing no you're great I think you're incredible like, well the amazing stuff just made me laugh so hard right obviously, obviously like the, the play on the title but, alone but that's not even what me. it's all about. It, it is really like stop beating yourself yeah. up. This wasn't your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> you know, it wasn't your fault. You know, Clearly, we, because like given we the think right you're stuff, great. You, you're great. You're amazing. I think that there's a lot of uh, coming out of this movie, like more Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Like, yes, a Toby Spider-Man four would be awesome, but uh, in some ways, I think you know he walks into the movie wearing his cool youth pastor outfit <laughs> or whatever. And for me, it takes Toby a minute to like get back into acting it had been a long time uh since we saw toby mcguire in anything years, 2013 or 2014 uh, was the last. yeah we'll we'll do a quick uh quick check of the toby filmography he did he did voice he did a voice role i think we i looked was it, it was it uh gatsby was one of his final live action movies he did labor day gatsby yeah it was 2013 so 2013. you know very close to very close to a decade uh, and it feels like it takes him a minute to sort of warm up and remember how to do this. Um, Andrew Garfield arrives fully, fully formed, and it feels almost like there is some unfinished business there to a certain extent. If we never see them again, I think that they did a great job of closing out their stories, and I will be satisfied. But if 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 Sony's going to insist on making these Venom movies, and thankfully Tom Hardy is out of the MCU by the end of this movie, he's in the, not in the even first in this, which I'm so happy in about. the first mid credit scene, he's only there, and then he's uh, zapped out. Uh, we leave a little symbiote behind for a, a future occasion, obviously. Um, but if we uh, if we if we are are, are going to continue making those movies and the stupid Michael Morbius Jared Leto thing 
just have Andrew Garfield be their Spider-Man to give them something. You know, he'll he'll rock that. Um, so I don't know. I was I was very enamored with him. The MJ scene was so good. Uh, the trailer did show you know her falling. You know. Oh, see, this is why I didn't look at this right because then I probably would have been able to piece. I don't it know. Together, I, but... You know, but that's the thing. That's what I meant before in the spoiler-free part where I was saying. I think even if you think you know what this movie is going to be about, the act of watching it is such a delight. Yeah. And there are so many surprises baked in. There was no world in which I thought that Toby and Andrew were not in this movie. They were obviously going to be in the movie. Uh, you you watch or read one interview with Andrew Garfield, and the dude is great, but he's just you know lying through his teeth about the thing. <laughs> obviously, he's in the film. Um, and so you, you know that, or at least I felt like, pretty sure that that was going to be the case and i think most people did and then you still see him and even just walking through the rings him and toby just felt so good to see them again but that moment where he goes through uh where where tom uh, gets sideswiped by the glider and so you're like oh crap what's going to happen to mj and we just cut over to to andrew's spider-man to peter three and there is no hesitation. None. He springs into action. He has replayed this moment over and over and over and over and over again in his mind. And he's there and he lands and it happens so quickly. And then him, his, his tear-stricken face at this moment of this is taking me back to a bad place, but also I'm still Spider-Man, damn it. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful moment. And one of those things that it has, it, it obviously has this component that it wraps up the emotional arc of the Amazing Spider-Man duology, which is such an impressive thing that I didn't feel like we needed at all, but I'm so glad that we got. But I think that that also added, uh, you know, some underlining emotion behind what it means to be Spider-Man, which is very relevant to the thrust of this movie because the whole point of this movie is getting Tom Holland's Spider-Man into the real position of sacrifice as Spider-Man, which I don't know that we've really seen from him before. Not to, to this, this point. level. Certainly not to this level. Yes. Uh, it is, it is about that great power comes great responsibility moment. Um, and, and getting him to that spot. I mean, this entire movie just sets him up to essentially end up closer to what is the Marvel comics original version of Spider-Man, which a long way for a ham sandwich, but it's still that that's still cool. The the suit tease at the end I think is really great. I don't know what it means for the future. We'll 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 talk about that part. But like, yeah, I, it's just so wild to think about that. And and to your point, I I'm gonna I'm gonna defend this man because you're right. It takes a second for him to kind of get back into the groove of it. But Tobey Maguire is fantastic. Oh, he is. Movie. Once he settles in, I he's great. I just like especially that last act. I think is so good. The stuff he says when he repeats that when he finishes the great power comes great responsibility line uh, off of Tom Holland. I think it's really phenomenal. I constantly just go back to the scene where they're trying to figure out what to do. And he does the like, you know, Tom Holland is like, not to brag, but I'm an Avenger. And Toby is just like, oh, that's great. What's what that? is that? What is that? And then just the like, how is this helping? Like, there's just little pieces, but also not even the comedy alone. The scene that I think is so well done is the moment when, uh, I guess, say Peter one, uh, is going to stab the Green Goblin with his own glider. And, you know, Peter two, Toby Maguire, just comes in there and just grabs the glider. He doesn't say anything. Everything in the exchange is just them looking at each other in silence. And the idea of Peter protecting this person and just holding this glider and just, like, saying nothing but communicating the idea of just, like, this is not who Spider-Man is. This is not what we do. 
is fantastic and i love that moment and we get a lot of comedy after that after how do you the, feel about him getting stabbed in shock, that moment i mean it's such a weird thing because it definitely for a hot second felt like are they gonna kill him off because it'll infuriate all of us and everyone had that it would have been overkill the gasp throughout the theater in that moment was intense i think we were all feeling it but yeah. i love that it's just like no it's okay i've been i've been stabbed before <laughs> it's just like you're in a lot of pain are you i'm in so much pain yeah like it's it's really good yeah i think some people uh i know grace was thinking that he should have died there um i think riley was very emphatically opposed to him dying there and thinking that if if that's an issue for people the, the solution would be to not have him get stabbed at all i don't know him getting stabbed and then making light of it really works for me as far as how often Spider-Man just takes so much punishment. Oh yeah, he gets beaten um, up a lot. That I that I really that I really didn't mind it and I I I thought that it uh it it did work for me for the comedic beat that comes later if I get stabbed, I've gotten stabbed before, it's fine. Um that 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 worked for me. Um but it was it was just really 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 wonderful to get the three of them together and I think it's obviously going to dominate so much of the conversation about the movie is that it just worked. It worked to have all three of them. But for me, the movie already really was working quite a bit um, up to that point. And a lot of that is the the spider villains, who there are so many of them. There's five in the movie. Yes, call there it, are five because call, they were Call so it six close. if you want Venom to be your, your sinister six. But he's not there. But he's not there. Um, so they do do a sinister five, which is a little strange. Um, but they mostly all have arcs and purpose in the movie. It would have been so easy to just throw them into the action scene and that's it, but instead they have character beats. To your point, Jamie Foxx is a real surprise to me in this movie. He's that he shows up like, my my teeth are fixed, my body feels great in this world, the electricity here, something's different because you do get the sense that the MCU is sort of heart of the multiverse uh kind of kind of vibe. Uh these are the stories, these are the characters that we're following. So I love this idea of there's something about the electricity here it's electric here yeah that it would it would really really vibe with him um and also the way that he, <laughs> he constantly make fun of the vat of eels yeah well that'll do that that'll you. do it yeah um, just <laughs> but he he has a lot of powerful moments and he's not the villain that i uh would expect to be talking about first and i'm not even saying he's in first position for me as far as all of the villains of the movie but the fact that i thought he was great uh, was a real uh, was a real because unexpected coming thing. Coming off of that Amazing Spider-Man two, which was so bad that I think it again it just goes to show like you put these really good actors in a position with great directors and people who you know give a crap about the characters and you end up in a, a wonderfully written uh, story and uh, like a, a great uh, character journey for him. Uh, you know, which again that line for me, the moment for me is with Andrew Garfield where his mask is off and he has that whole conversation. You know, just like oh from Queen or yeah from Queens, I, I thought you'd be black. And yeah, he's just like yeah, I'm Garfield's really sorry. like sorry, really sorry about that. <laughs> And there's like that meta commentary to that moment, right? Of course, where when before Garfield was cast, that conversation was heated about it being like Donald Glover about having a black Spider-Man at that point. Um, so like it, there was a lot of meta on there, and I I really really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Fox surprised the hell out of me uh, in this role and, and coming back as Electro. I love the fact that we got a brief moment where we actually saw his weird Electro mask yeah. with electricity. I thought that was fun. You know, uh, so I told you the other day uh, before uh, I, I said, when we podcast, I'm going to have a take that's going to hopefully surprise and delight you. 
Uh, so this is the take uh, to, to Kevin specifically that would surprise and delight him. Uh, but if you've listened to our previous Spider-Man coverage, go back in the archives. It's from a year ago. It's November of 2020. Uh, if you want to relive any of 2020 at all, uh, go back and check out our initial Spider-Man coverage. But I was the person who's on the island of, I know you all love Alfred Molina oh, yes. as Dr. Octopus. Yes. But it's just, it's just it, like it, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work for me. Um, I, he's, he was very close if, until Andrew Garfield showed up to being my favorite character in the movie. He's so He's good. really, really good. And I thought that the, the film did such a great job of having him be the first one you go up against because he's iconic and he's so visual and he's somebody who's great to have a one-on-one battle with yes. his, you know, his tentacles propelling him in a way that Peter's webs can, can kind of do that as well. Um, and having him be somebody who uh, you know Stark Tech would be able to take down yeah. effectively was was a really really wonderful thing, and having Peter be able to puppeteer him was great. But also having him be the first person to break away from the villainy, which is how it was mm-hmm. in these movies. You know, um, Norman never really gets the chance. He's no. a- apologetic at the end when the real Norman shows up and breaks past the Goblin, but then he dies. Don't tell Harry. Don't tell Harry. <laughs> uh, you know, but but uh, Doc Ock does have that moment of heroism. So. So to see, because so much of this movie is about what would happen to these people if they didn't just die, right? So (laughs) who could they be beyond those moments where Spider-Man kills them, in quotes? Um, And I think to have Doc Ock still have that role in here, I don't know why it worked so well for me, but it really, really did. Because I think Molina plays both sides of... Otto as a maniac and then Otto as a benevolent guy who was being corrupted by, you know, forces beyond his control. Um, And once recognizing that, being able to lean into the genius of Peter Parker and the science and lifting him up, um, I thought he was really fantastic uh and i i i want to me a culpa of that i'm and, and so for, happy and, about and, this and obviously for me uh and i think just generally that turn from melina as doc ock it and so much of this movie is trading on this history this you know these the the grooved pavement of spider-man and the road to get here um so it retroactively makes me enjoy spider-man 2 even more uh, so that was a really nice surprise for me, and I, I thought maybe you would uh, get a kick out of that. That I that I really loved Doc in this movie. I thought I, he was great. I'm I'm web swinging from the rafters in excitement over hearing that because he was he was so good, and I think it's exactly as you said. He's such again. This this movie is just filled with <laughs> mostly Academy Award nominated slash winning actors here, um, and they all do such a good job. But he does such a great job skirting the line and going back and forth between the hero and villainy. And just he, from his facial expressions to the way his voice is conveyed, he just does such a good job with that. And I absolutely love it. I absolutely love how it pays off at the end. I like how it all turns out. And yeah, there's just such a great thing bringing him out first. The one we saw in the trailer, of course, before really diving into all the others. And it's just, ah, man, it, it is, like you said, capitalizing on a lot of the nostalgic feelings uh, for these characters, for the memory of these characters and their history, but and not having even, it all pay off. But not just ruthlessly, you know? Right. That's the thing that's impressive to me because it would be so easy to just like lazily be like, remember when that happened? Right, exactly. That was actually one of the things I, I remember us talking about is that I think this movie does such a great job with 
hearkening back to stuff without actually just being like, eh, remember that exact I didn't, thing? I didn't see it, but you did watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I'm, I don't know when I'll, I'll see it, but I know that you had a complaint you were telling me about how there's a lot of, remember when we said this line? Yeah, you remember yes. when I said this? And in, in No Way Home, there doesn't feel like there's a ton of that. There's um, there is specific there, line. <laughs> there is, and I think it's a good segue into talking about Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn. He's something of a scientist. I, you know, I'm himself. something of a scientist. <laughs> myself uh yeah getting that moment in here but a lot of it otherwise felt like continuation of stuff yes uh which was what was great it was it was staying true to what had come before and pushing it forward um you know you know norman shows up and if he's the norman who has been taken out and unplugged from his universe right before his death then this is a guy who would still be talking to his mask yep and would still be, you know, teetering on the edge of sanity and maybe would do all of the things that are as dangerous as he does in this movie. The tone is different. And so, you know, the the when he actually gets to make good on, you know, once upon a time, he almost killed Aunt May. And yeah. this time he does it, you know. So it's it's a it's it's a I, I think a really impressive feat that it's not just let's do the things that are going to remind you of those movies, but let's push what happened in those movies to these characters to their next logical progression. I, I think they do that really, really well across the board. They they really do. And like he's such a delight. He is as, I think, scenery chewing as he was previously, but it works really well for this film. And his level of, I think, craze, I guess. Like he does a very good job when he's normal, normal Norman um playing you know like the 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 sympathetic like regretful person and then when he flips that switch he's so good as the over-the-top green goblin i love the fact that they you know uh basically took away the like silly costume and mask but and gave him a little bit closer to his comic book version you know he's not wearing a mask it's just william defoe's face but i hate to be like that's william enough kind of looks like a little no but, but he that's there. <laughs> he he's such a masterful actor who understands his body mm -hmm. and your face is part of your body and he knows how to contort that thing yes. he knows what he's working with he knows that he has those features that can be perverted and twisted and used yep. to look very very sinister and he does that and there's so much danger in his eyes in his grin in his voice he leans all the way in but he also knows how to contort his face in and his voice into a manner and his expressions you know his hunched over yeah. look into being effectively you know uh you know a, a transient in need of love and support mm -hmm. and help and empathy uh, and so when he's there with with May uh, and they call upon Peter to bring him in, he you really believe that this man needs a sandwich. He needs a blanket. He needs help. Yeah. Um, and that to me, you know, kind of glides us haha -ha, into some of the critiques. <coughs> Chappelle uh, that some people have about this movie of the movie happens because Peter decides to help these obvious bad guys that rather than send them back to where they once came from he chooses instead to help them and so uh we end up in the situation where we end up with aunt may dead and you need the two peters and all of this stuff but is that not spider-man spider-man doesn't always make great choices spider-man in fact often makes very bad choices that are born out of empathy and wanting to do right by people even when doing right by people is often if not always going to blow up in his face i think that the the thrust of the movie and the fact that the multiversal villains stick around for as long as they do once they're here um isn't 
incredibly Spider-Man. It might not be super logical, but it is deeply rooted in the character, I think. Yeah, I mean, my complaints about the the plot and the logic of it isn't any of that even, right? Like, I think, look, the, the reason this happens is exactly that mentality. Someone who's trying to help others and do right by others and then creates this spell that breaks the multiverse, basically, uh, is very Spider-Man. Also, I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, we've mostly seen Andrew Garfield, and yes, we've mostly seen Tobey Maguire in this role. This Peter Parker is 17 slash 18 years old at best. Yeah. He is young. Senior is in high school. Teenager. Um, so a lot of his decisions aren't going to be the best decisions, but they have a lot of the right intentions. And I think that holds uh, true for the character and holds true for what we're seeing. I think his decision to help these people is in line with Spider-Man, is in line with trying to fix stuff and trying to you know do the best he can. He learned some lessons along the way here, and I think it's influenced his decisions for the end of the movie, not revealing to to MJ or Ned or anyone that, you know, who he is and everything like that. I think it's also very Spider-Man. It is literally the end of the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. I'm honestly was for a second. I was like, are we going to hear like, who am I Spider-Man? Like, is he going to do that monologue? Because it felt so true to that moment. And I remember a lot of us talking about like, it's a very Spider-Man thing that happens at the end of that film in the first one. And that's this here. So we think a lot of his decisions are in line with the character and wanting to help these people. Now, is he uh, unaware of the, 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 the gravity of that and the consequences of that? Absolutely. Cause he's a kid and he's naive. Um, so I think the sacrifices, unfortunately, that happen because of it, the, the, the losses that happen because of it, let's say, um, are huge and impactful and something that he's going to have to deal with and live with and inform a lot of decisions in the future he's going to make, I'm sure. Um, but it does feel right. I found it really interesting, too, about like trying to help these people because a lot of the Spider-Man villains are basically just like something went wrong and they went a little crazy, but at heart, they're not terrible people. And that's exactly where we went here with this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, Norman, of course, with the goblin uh, serum, uh, you know, falling into a vat of eels. Like there's just all these little pieces I think work well. I mean, Thomas, I do love the, when Thomas Hayden church, is it him and, and Electro? Who's, yeah. I just fell into a collider. Gotta really you know, we watch, gotta where watch where we're going. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> He's a great example. He's not in this movie a ton, at least certainly physically. Thomas Hayden Church? Yeah. Yeah. And certainly also like um, uh, Rice, uh, Reese. Reese Iphens. Iphens, yeah. thank you. Um, the replacement. Uh, but Yeah, he's the kicker, right? He's the kicker. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, which also had John Favreau. That's uh, right. <laughs> anywho, uh, they're not in here a huge ton, but... He is a quintessential example of that Spider-Man, you know, uh, borderline villain trying to do right, but like, you know, does bad things because of it. Uh, and we see that play out here quite a bit. Um, he was great. You know, the lizard was great. I don't have a ton to say there on them, but I do think well, that I like, having them around and having how they played into the story, I think was, was, was really solid. I think that, so, uh, I think lizards doing fine in the public eye, uh, you know, which is a surprise, but I think a lot of it's because they make fun of talking dinosaur type stuff oh God, and, and they do play that well. And he has a couple of moments that are just good. Like, Oh, it's so it begins. You know, there are these moments with him where you could tell he's still a little bit warped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but is kind of biding his time and knows he his best move. He's one of those survivor players who knows I, I'm not going to show up <laughs> until final five. You know, he kind of has that vibe going for him. So he's fun in the movie. I think Sandman, the CGI is maybe not great for, for some people. And also it feels like they were only able to get Thomas Hayden church for so much of the movie. And uh, the vast majority of his stuff is voice work, but where I'll come to his defense is, 
is I love that when he shows up in the movie, he's initially Team Spider-Man yeah. because that's where we left him. Uh, so the fact that he is able to um, to to you know saddle up next to next to next to our Peter Tom Tom Holland's Peter and be like, let's you know get Electro together basically was really fun so until he's just like, did you just kill that guy? <laughs> yeah, at which point he's like, okay, who am I dealing with? You know, and that was a very uh, reasonable uh, response from him. So I I really enjoyed the villains. I feel no issues with why Spider Man continues to help them, and that ends up being the thing that Aunt May is trying to instill in Peter in the final moments before her death of you know this is the way this is how it's supposed to be you're supposed to help people this is not a weakness this is your strength we should talk about the fact that aunt may dies um there's part of me kevin that feels like this is needless because tony stark dying did that not fill the uncle ben role for peter in the mcu did it need to be more personal i think it needs to be more personal i think tony stark filled a role there's a there's a strong difference between the the aunt may uncle ben figure and the mentor looking up to someone figure that uh, was Tony. I think they're very different characters and filled very different spots in Spider-Man's life. We didn't have an Uncle Ben in this universe. I mean, he, he wasn't really mentioned. You know, we never got the line. This is clearly why. And it, it I'm also a little on the fence because I love Marissa Tomei and the fact that she got to speak about law very briefly in this movie delighted <laughs> yeah. me to no end. Um but maybe cousin Vinny will be the new aunt may I mean, moving forward. Like that's uncle Ben is just Joe Pesci strolling in. Assuming cousin <laughs> Vinny knows who Peter Parker is. We have to talk <laughs> about that too. Like, so yeah, we're definitely going to get to there. And I think that's where we're probably gonna hit some larger plot issues. But, um, I am torn because I love Marissa Tomei so much. I mean, she loves bald, quirky men, as we all know. Um, and she's just such a great character in these films. Uh, and just, I love just how she portrayed it. But on the opposite end, you do need this for Spider-Man, right? Like to, to throw back to the Spider-Verse of it all, that scene when he, you know, Miles loses his uncle um and they all talk about like more than anyone else we we know and you do get that scene here uh it is about like the tragedy of spider-man the 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 loss is such a key factor and learning about that like great power comes great responsibility such a it's such a quintessential thing for this character and they didn't do it in the movies previously because this isn't the spider-man we know from from our marvel universe this isn't one we've seen previously he hasn't gone through the stuff he did there are elements that were still there being poor and everything but this this is the different factor. This is the change. This is the shift that where he becomes the Spider-Man, truly the Spider-Man we all know in a lot of different ways. So I understand the need for it having to happen because Spider-Man has to have that loss. And I I can appreciate the fact that it's not just another Uncle Ben. In this world, it's Aunt May because to the Spider-Verse of it all, sometimes it's, you know... Prowler uh, or whoever. Sometimes yep. it's Prowler. Sometimes it's, you know, your Uncle Benjamin. Right. You know, like sometimes it's different. So I like that uh, almost like reference callback to that part of it so and even in this when they talk about it right it's gwen stacy specifically for andrew garfield's spider-man because we talked a lot about that scene with uncle ben and how many problems i have with it but it was like the gwen stacy moment and for toby obviously it's for uncle ben and, and for this it's aunt may so i understand the the want and the need for that but it is a tragedy because it's marissa tomei and an aunt may a, a, like such a great character um and yeah, I guess, again, that that adds to it, right, of uh, we are invested in her and not that you're not invested in Uncle Ben in, uh, the, you know, the two times we watch him die in live action. 
but you're only with him for for so long in those movies and you know that that happens yeah with aunt may this is not a traditional part of the aunt may story arc it's not it's it's a bit different this isn't batman movies where we have to watch his parents die every single time i've we never seen that to... though i do think i need someone <laughs> to film that film that moment because it's never showed uh on on in movies or tv or anywhere else um but yeah it, it's you're you know, not like expecting you said, it with Marissa Tomei. At least I was really sideswiped by it. And I think it was it was smart because this is happening to a character that you have connection with across multiple movies yes. now at this point. You know because we've seen how much she means to Peter, how much she means to Happy Hogan, you know, how much she means to certain people in this world uh, and how much she means to us because we just connect with that character because Marissa Tomei is so good. And her death is really, really sad. She does get to have that moment of instilling in Peter the famous words of with great power. Uh, I don't remember how she says, there must also come great responsibility. Um, you know, that she gets to be the one who articulates that lesson to Peter. And I think it is very deserved that in the adaptation choice, she gets to be the person in this universe who has that moment. But it's also coupled with the fact that then she dies so suddenly, so quickly. It happens in a way that even um, with some time on his side, he really, Peter only has time to watch her die. Yes. Um, and it's really, really upsetting and really, really brutal. And the movie very wisely, structurally, follows that with Toby and Andrew showing up um, because you need something to lift you out of that in that moment. There was a part of me when that happened and I felt like there was probably still an hour or so to go of the movie. It was like, ah, that sucks. I'm in a really upset mood and I don't know that I'm going to be able to have fun anymore. And so the movie is able to not only kind of heal or begin the healing process by having this huge pop of Andrew and Toby showing up, um, and is then through them and through their interactions with, with Peter One being able to have a ton of fun in the movie, but also bringing in two people who uh, we know as audience members get exactly what Peter One is going yep. through and within the universe uh, can speak to that in a way that nobody else can. So having that happen next and waiting until this moment to bring it in uh, was a really uh, very, very strong and uh, 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 effective choice, I thought. Uh, and and this is this goes to a particular point that I think Strange made also of like... Oh, yeah, he was in the movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to all that. But Almost like, an hour in, and I think we're saying Doctor Strange for the first time. I know, I know. Well, would, again, this, this speaks to some of the issues. But sure. um, I think, you know, Strange said it, like you're trying to lead these two separate lives. He's trying to treat the idea that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are different people, but they're not. And this is sort of like the repercussions of all that. I, I remember us talking about the fact that Tom Holland, um, as the like playing the character and his ability to do this, you actually see him mature as a person throughout this film. You see the shift in his almost childlike self. And he always played Spider-Man very like kind of young and fun. And that's what those first two films were. But in this movie, he becomes a very different type of uh, a person. And I think that is again, to Spider-Man's point, like the Spider-Man that existed before the, tra the tragedy, whatever and whoever that tragedy might be, is forced to become an adult in that moment, is forced to mature in that instance. I To throw back to the Batman thing, which I think we had mentioned when we were talking offline, is that it's the same thing. Batman, at eight years old, is forced to become an adult, basically. Right. And I think that's this thing for Spider-Man, is that his coming of age is unfortunately a tragedy uh, and an occurrence in his life, and this is that. And we see it play out. We see it shift and change, and he becomes a bit of a different person. Yeah. 
Um, so we're, you know, getting into a lot of big ticket items here. Uh, I think it's probably getting to be about that time to talk about what, you know, drives so much of the movie is that Peter was doxxed, dox ox, uh, by Mysterio yes. and the world knows who he is and it causes a lot of problems and it is, uh, something that he seeks help from Dr. Strange for to use this spell to make everybody forget, um, but he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want MJ to forget. He doesn't want Ned to forget. He can't do that to Aunt May again. Um, and he ruins the spell and it causes this problem where people from across the multiverse who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man are coming to to, to eat him yep. effectively. Uh, and that it takes the whole movie for Peter to get to this place of, the best way to stop the spell to keep more people from coming in to shat from shattering, you know, the multiverse is to do the spell again properly, make it so that everybody forgets who I am. And then I'm going to be alone forever. And I'm walking into that this time knowing it. Yes. Um, and there's, you know, logic stuff to talk through, plotty stuff to talk through, yep. but on an emotional level, um, I just want to start the conversation by saying I think Tom Holland plays the shit out of this. I think Zendaya plays the hell out of this. Jacob Battleon plays the hell out of this. This final moment of Ron, Hermione, and Harry yeah. hugging it out, you know, by the Statue of Liberty, um, and even the the coffee shop and and Peter going in and seeing that they're okay, but if he stays any closer to them, they may be hurt. He sees the wound on MJ's head mm -hmm. still, um, and they don't know who he is, and he and so it's clearly that it's not just that they forgot that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but they forgot Peter Parker yes. generally. Um, and the movie sets us up and leaves us in this place where, uh, you know, he just grew up really, really fast. You know, Tom Holland plays Peter less like a child in this scene than we've ever seen him before, which is instructive considering this is a man in his mid getting close to late 20s, Tom Holland. That's um, still a child by our standards, Joshua. Sure. Well, we are a thousand <laughs> years old. Yes. Um, and I think that they get him there and he really sells it in a way that has me very excited about the future, but also really sad for the character, but feels very Spider-Man that often the victories for Spider-Man are really lonely. And so it's a really lonely thing. There is no way home, but home is what you make of it, I guess. And so you do have this feeling that maybe Peter Parker is adrift, but the final scenes of the movie of in his banging new costume by the way uh that he makes for himself that spider-man is still home right here in new york so home is what you make of it from that moment forward i think thematically it really works for me and emotionally it really works for me maybe some of the plotty stuff we will have some issues with if we drill down too deep into it yeah um let's start with the positives right like i think emotionally and i think for the character this makes a lot of sense i like how it plays out in that way it's so well acted i mean Zend zendaya and and um um battle on uh, first name is jacob me jacob thank yep. you uh i was gonna say jason I'm like that's not right yeah um they do such a good job because this trio has been so solid and so well acted and play against each other so well because in real life you see so much of how they interact um that it's just just a well done goodbye across the board from the three of them so that seems really good and i love then the immediate contrast of them not knowing who he is what i also found really interesting about this is the idea of the superhero secret identity is such an interesting hot button topic in the modern context in the past it was always about like you got to protect your loved ones but then as as we've evolved as people it's like you keeping this type of secret from the people you love 
is also wrong and like you shouldn't do it. And we've seen shifts and change in, 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 in media because of that, about more people knowing secret identities. This movie especially shows you the danger of that. But what I like is that this movie doesn't end it in a way that everyone forgot and they still have the relationships that they had. It's not that everyone forgot that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It's that everyone forgot this, who Peter Parker is. So he doesn't have these loved ones anymore. There's no one he's really lying to anymore because of it. And he has to make that choice that that's the choice I'm going to have. That's the path I'm going to have to walk. Right? So it's not that he's like, he's doing the secret identity thing to protect the people he loves, but it's the people he loves doesn't don't know him. So I think it's an interesting solve for what has become a very uh, divisive issue in the comic book world. They managed and to I do really one like more that. day without the devil, which I was, was nice. I was going to say, this is, like, this is exactly the one more day, brand new day situation. Which is a comic book comics. story arc, if people don't know, where uh, Peter and Mary, and Mary Jane <laughs> make a deal with Mephisto for, for uh, everybody to forget who he is. And it costs them their marriage and all sorts of nonsense. And people hated it, even if it led to you know stuff that people liked uh in the comics after that at least for a time for a time and i think that's exactly what this does the per the point and purpose of both this moment and the brand new day one more day situation was that everyone was just like spider well not everyone specific people who make the decisions or like spider-man works the best when he is young peter parker he sacrifices things and he doesn't have relationships like this and yada 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 that's how that th they see peter parker as and that's how he should be it's a bit retro but fine that's why these decisions happen that's why this gets made i can understand that i don't agree with it because to me one of the strongest things about these movies and what i got really excited about in the previous uh, film was the relationship between Peter and MJ having a situation like that. I don't know what it is about comics and certain like for certain people who write it, just their inability to to think about the fact beyond of what they're used to from the 50s and 60s and the secret identity of it all and a hero has to be alone. But we've seen enough changes that that's not always the case anymore. And I really liked the idea of having this relationship uh, between these two characters and having it out in the open. I thought it was great. And we've unfortunately now lost that. We don't have a lot of it you have the superman and lois tv show which i really love but they are at this point married and with children so it's very different in fact that is superman in the comics it's the very one clear example of it so it's 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 an odd thing it's an odd choice and you know but i'm i don't i don't take it as a bad thing i i'm, I'm fine with it i really liked it it's such a powerful moment it's such a spider-man moment that the emotion of it is top notch the logic of it is like what you said because look I'm not going to dwell on it because How did they is... do his name was reported in media? What well, happened to the media? What happened to the to the filmed reports? Well, what happened for, to the news articles? Forget all of that. I Dusty. can't. That I keep that. You have to, I'll have to cast a spell. I keep thinking about that. But it, what happened maybe, to the published material? Maybe that all got wiped. Even crazier is how did history Magic, man. play Whoa. out the way it did at the end of the movie? MJ is wearing the black Dahlia necklace that he bought her. Yeah. Where does she think she got that from? Like, those are the pieces that make zero sense to me about, like, if everyone has forgotten who Peter Parker is, but everyone knows who Spider-Man is, and the events of the various films still happen, which they do because Happy kind of acknowledges how that. Did MJ, how did any of this How did occur? MJ and Ned get off of uh, the, you know, get away from the Statue of Liberty? What did they think about why they were there? You know, yeah, all of those things that if you think about them really hard are, uh, you know, thought exercises that I'm not super psyched about yes. that i don't really care to like get into right. but it is this is this is a thing that we've talked about too kevin is when 
um, when a thing is is uh, is done so effectively in in that emotional way that I am good yes. to let it lie. It's the Hawkeye thing we talked about with Yelena being mad at Clint for what should whatever be no reason. you know. It's you know it it works because the emotion behind it is yes. so good and the performances behind it are so good uh, that so much works that I don't have to think too much and I don't have to get too mad about uh, about something that's like how did they get picked up from there right. And that's the part I also don't care about. I think everything else works well enough that I can overlook that. Again, if I think about it too long, I'm like, well, but I don't have to worry about that because also it's comics and, and stuff and they do this all the time. I mean, Superman, you know, uh, magic kiss lowest to forgetting. It's a, it's a constant. This is a thing. I don't like it, but it happens. But the other parts I will say, like when we get down to it, the fact that it took us this long to get, get to Doctor Strange, right? I will say the biggest fault of this movie is now the we're last, past an hour. <laughs> yeah, the last pat, the last half of the movie slash third of the movie is the only is the movie, um, and so we've sat here talking so much about all of that, where the lead up and everything happening before was fine, but it it, it felt very like kind of like all right, we're just doing this to get from point A to point B to get to the part that everyone likes. So like that part felt very like it was it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. There was things I liked, but I think it created a almost disjointed movie in a way because like at the beginning it is the relationship stuff, right? And I really liked that between him, MJ, and Ned. I thought was really solid. I loved him being at school briefly and we get like Betty briefly. We get Flash briefly. Uh we get um, we we get the teacher JB Smoove uh, and Smoove Hannibal and, and Martin Starr. Star. Yeah. That encounter was I thought phenomenal, and those are elements that felt very close to. And this is this is what I was talking about. Um, that felt more in line with the movies we've seen previously. Those felt like the MCU John Watts Spider Man films, right? Like because those are the elements that were always there. But at a certain point, it becomes the cooks in the kitchen situation, and that created a phenomenal meal. We all enjoyed eating that meal. But I think it also overshadowed a lot of the stuff that became standard for this this universe and these characters. And a lot of it felt very wonky. Like, I was so pumped about J. Jonah Jonah Jameson, and I still am, but we had so little of him. Yeah, Um, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Strange, right? Strange is in here. I mean, to be fair, you have to remove Strange from the game board at all times because he's too powerful. Did you you feel okay with Peter Parker beating Doctor Strange in a fight on effectively Doctor Strange's turf? Yeah, because he used math. (laughs) I love that he said that. Yeah. I, that I thought was very cool where he's just like wait a minute I recognize it's just geometry yeah. yeah and so you can do geometry so I love that I did actually really love that because that is such a Spider-Man way to defeat someone much more powerful than him so I'm all for that yeah that was no problem the fight itself was very cool a lot of what happened with them was very cool but then it's quickly just kind of like all right that happened we needed that to happen uh, to get to this, which is how plots work, but it also I think created a very like weird pieces for me, and I think that's what keeps me from ultimately loving the film. I loved specific things. I loved the last part of the film, but I don't love the film. But I really liked it and really enjoyed it. And had a great time viewing it. Like it's so weird because like again, we're, we open your heart, Kevin. You can say Strange. you loved the movie. We it's okay to say Strange you loved it. And J. Jonah Jameson, and they were great in the scenes they were at. Um, in a way, a lot of the MJ and Ned stuff also took a back back seat while he was doing a lot of stuff with the other villains. But that was that's fine. They they played enough of a role and they showed up enough that I think it still works there. Um, it's the other pieces. I think unfortunately there is a lot of juggling. Uh, they didn't 
drop all the balls for sure. But in a situation like this, there sometimes there is a ball you're going to drop. You're like, oh, crap. And then you're going to scoop it back up. And they did a good job with that. Yeah. Much more so than what we've seen previously where they've done this for Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Where boy, oh, boy, were those balls just dropped. Oh, yeah. Shattered. Definitely the best final Spider-Man movie in a Spider-Man trilogy. Well, hopefully not final, well, right? Well, we don't know. Well, but. so, I mean, the, the company line is, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, we have to read the geometry ourselves here in the Mirror Universe of Amy Pascal is like, we're not done making Marvel movies. And then Tom Rothman, who's head of Sony, is like, well, we have a really great relationship with Marvel, but we really only have one more movie to swap Tom Holland back to them for, and that's the agreement right now. Uh, but Kevin Feige is out here being like, no, we're also, we are talking about figuring out what the next story is for Spider-Man. We're actively talking about that. So who do you believe? No announcements have been made yet. Um, it certainly sounds like uh, we will at the very least get one more Tom Holland as Spider-Man something or other somewhere, whether it's his own movie or he's showing up in something. But even Tom Holland out here is is out here saying, you know, if this is goodbye, then it's goodbye. How much of this is negotiating in the media? Probably most of it. A lot of uh, it. If not, yeah, if not all of it, then most of it at the very least. I would expect that they're decently far along. There have been some reports being like, they're, they're much further along than you think that are, you know, sort of like these insidery things. Like, yeah, you know, I haven't had a conversation with anyone on the inside of this thing, and I could tell you that exact same thing, and you could take that with the same veracity, because of course they're talking about this shit. It's very, very obvious. This thing's making a ton of money, especially not just in the pandemic, but in a surge right now. F you, Omicron! Uh, you know, that this movie is doing crazy business, even in all of that. Obviously, they're going to move mountains to make this work. Tom Holland's going to make bank. Good on him. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, so... It's going to happen. It's just a question of where, when, how, how much. Um, how much is probably the biggest question. Yep. Uh, but we will we will get more. One thing to say about the Doctor Strange stuff. Uh, don't don't show me a trailer at the end of your oh, movie and tell me it's a post credit scene. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, like, I really look, uh, you know the venom the venom thing was really funny to me, uh, and I love that that was the answer which, to venom was that he's just here and then he blips out. That by the way, you hilarious. You, you recognize who that waiter is, right? Of course, yeah. uh, Spider Man is alive. Spider Man is alive. Danny uh, Rojas. <laughs> it was it was really really great. Um, but you know Tom Hardy's here and then he's not. It's totally whatever, but I thought it was kind of hilarious that that's their answer to that. I mean, was like, Just I'm get him out of here you, super you, quick. I mean, look, if you've been listening to this, you heard me, my disgust when they introduced uh, the idea of Venom being in this, possi like possibly being they in this They got movie. him out of there real so quick, They Kevin. did exactly right by, by me specifically, so I'm happy about that. So we can talk about that there, but yeah, let's, but let's, the, but let's the talk Doctor about Stra the But one. the final yeah. one that you wait, th wait through is basically a sizzle reel it's a if not an outright trailer for the next doctor strange movie um and i don't know that's not that this is you know what we're not doing our rankings right now or anything like that but kevin we did uh you know we when we did our our first mcu watch and we would you know rank post credit scenes and everything like that this reminds me of avengers the, of, avengers of the captain america the yeah. first avenger post credit scene is just an avengers trailer it's like that's not gonna hold up it's not give me a don't, scene give me a give moment. me a scene give me a scene of dr strange assessing the ramifications of what he just did for peter and what that's going to do for the greater world rather than just telling me that dr strange movie is coming next and here's the trailer for it 
Uh, a little weak sauce. This is this is my big complaint. If this is my big complaint, then the movie did pretty well. The movie did do pretty well, and this is the big complaint in the post credits, right? Like they gave us so much to set up in the movie itself that the post credit was whatever. Um, the one thing about the the post credit trailer for that, I will, I was just like, oh hey, is that Shumagoroth is in fact there. Uh, which I thought was very funny. Some sort of evil Doctor Strange uh, perhaps sort of lost Strange? his heart instead of his hands. Right. So we were talking about a lot of that, too, and maybe this will cross over there. We got America Chavez. There was bits and pieces that felt like if you're watching as a trailer, you're like, oh, cool. Um, but as a post-credit, you're just like, oh, that's not quite what I wanted. Um, but it is setting up uh, this movie. I am still excited about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think it's going to be probably close to this. I think we're going to get a little bit of this movie's uh, influence at this point so maybe we will be seeing characters that we weren't expecting certainly like you said that looked like it could have been the evil doctor strange in which case we might be getting some interesting crossover here but it's 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 i'm excited for it and i hope that people understand a little bit why the multiverse gets me so pumped because of these moments i don't think they should happen super often but getting those three spider-men together is cool the potential of what we could be getting in doctor strange in a multiverse of madness seems like it could be cool yeah so i like a lot of that stuff and it's so once again marvel just beating the crap out of dc at their own game uh doing the flashpoint <laughs> in such a way right because flashpoint is like guys we're gonna do this thing we're gonna bring back Batman. No, but literally that flash has flashpoint yeah. is his book in this and it's just like <laughs> oh boy like they, yeah. they really swiped it from you as they always do what is really funny i have to say is that we talk about the multiverse stuff and we talk about all this i mentioned spider-verse right as like the the, the thing but this is this is at this point I feel like habitual for Spider-Man. Um it is it is it is it is a constant almost the multiverse Spider-Man to Spider-Man's meeting each other because I go back if you listen to our extra podcast you know that we're covering the X-Men animated series but that is the the brother/sister series to the Spider-Man animated series right. from the from the 90s which famously did the Spider-Verse before Spider-Verse. I believe Dan Slott himself, the writer of the Spider-Verse comic book, said that that was a big influence from him when he saw that. Um, and it, 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 Spider-Man crossing with other versions of himself is a thing. It happened in a video game where you played different versions of Spider-Man as well. Um, and so it is interesting that, again, Marvel has swiped this from, from DC, but it's like they swiped. It's like Ozymandias. It's just like, oh, I did this 30 years ago. Yeah, you know, they did. Like they've done it for a while, specifically with Spider-Man. So I do like that they're still continuing this tradition almost in this movie. This movie isn't necessarily just swiping Spider-Verse because it's something that's happened with Spider-Man so many times. So I like that. Yeah, I think I it's like a little reductive not, yeah. to say that this is just Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, I, d I don't think that that's fair to a really large tradition uh, of uh, Spider-Man stories. I'm really interested to see where it goes from here with Peter Parker. He plays Tom Holland plays him like an adult uh, at the end of the movie. I'm curious to see tonally, you know, John Watts, who directed the Homecoming trilogy, um, is uh, moving on to Fantastic Four. He will be directing the Fantastic Four movie. So is he going to come back and do whatever Spider-Man they've got next? I kind of hope not. I would like that whatever they do next with Spider-Man be something that has its own definition and its own vibe and its own tone. I would agree with that. Just as long as it's someone who, you know, 
like Spider-Man can do something I, good with I it. I expect it would be. You know, it would be hard to imagine not. I mean, I'm curious to see his continued role certainly within the MCU. I was saying to you the other night that I think it could be fun um, to see him as the head of the Avengers of a new group of Avengers. If we're talking about the young, young Avengers, Avengers say. starting to assemble and you get, you know, Kate Bishop's Hawkeye or Cassie Lang's stature or young Loki or, you know, Tommy and Billy and whoever else. Um, and if you can uh, find like a great project with them being all brought together by someone who is, you know, uh, at least close to being their peer, but also is so much more seasoned they are in Spider-Man, that would be really fun. I think could be could be really cool. But I also am curious to see what the next Spider-Man centric story is with his secret identity intact. I actually do think now is fun. Um, and also, um what kind of cast do you build around him? And how do you follow up throwing 20 years of Spider-Man movies together into the blender and giving us this incredible movie? You know, what do you do after that? Are we going to be, are we going to be chill to just have the, the Mr. Negative movie next or Spider-Man versus maybe more, uh, you know, more relevantly Spider-Man and Daredevil against the Kingpin. I think so, but I hope so. Honestly, I mean, like, look, I, you know, for all I think about the bigger context and I, I do appreciate that Spider-Man is a very grounded character. So it would be nice to see him flip back into that role and have a low stakes story. I mean, like that's sort of what this movie was trying to get to and to, to the point of someone we both closely know, like if they wanted to get us to this point, they could have just made that type of movie, which is accurate. They could have just done that. Um, and I would like to see that. I don't need every movie to be these grand, huge stakes. I think sometimes it can pay off really well when it's lower stakes, like the Hawkeye TV series, for example. Um, so I really like that. Your note about like, maybe it can be Spider-Man and Daredevil, which holy crap, we haven't talked about Daredevil. Let's do it. Um, we, let me finish this off first, but then yes. But like, I would love that. I would love a grounded street level view because Spider-Man street level character. We saw in the rift that opened, uh, you know, Rhino was there, uh, Scorpion was there, but I also definitely saw Kraven the Hunter there as well. So there's lots of doors open to, to, to doing these types of stories for Spider-Man next. And I think it, it could work really, really well. Daredevil's in this movie. We we kind kind of jumped right over that. That's I'm a very good lawyer. A very good lawyer. A great scene. I will say it felt so weirdly out of place because like this is what I mean about the the shift in in, in the story, right? Because like the beginning and parts of this movie is about him protecting his identity, lawyering up, doing all this stuff, and by the end, none of that matters anymore. Um, so it is weird, but he's it's Charlie Cox. He's in the role as Daredevil. It's so great. He's he's so witty. His so Matt Murdock is so good. It's, it's so just good. very well worn. He's and played that character a ton. He, you can he tell has, he brings that to it. But it is a different Matt Murdock. Like looking at this character, you, you've written, said this, and I don't I don't see it at all. So you have to explain what you mean by you think this is a different Matt Murdock. The way his attitude is is a little more um, fun than the gritty version of Matt Murdock that we have seen before. This is going to be very comic booky, and I think some people might understand it, but the one that we saw on the Netflix show is very Ed Brubaker's run of Daredevil and Brian Michael Bendis's run of Daredevil, which was this kind of like gritty, angry Matt Murdock, and that's a bit of who that character is. And that's the version we saw on the Netflix show. This version, the way he spoke, when he caught that brick and he's just like, I'm a very good lawyer – is very Mark Wade's Daredevil, which was a more recent run that had a little more fun, a little more poppy energy. Daredevil smiled a little bit more. And I think that's the energy he was bringing into this scene. I think that's closer to 
the daredevil that has been in the comics for a while and i think that's what we might be getting here so to what we were talking about previously i think it's awesome that we're getting vincent d'onofrio's kingpin and uh charlie cox's daredevil but i don't think it's going to be quite the violent angry version no these are disney products and i i like that though that to, to be clear i really like that I was vibing real hard with him in this scene, and I'm really excited for what they're going to do with it if they end up doing uh, a lot more stuff. He might show up in Moon Knight for all we know at this point. Get Daredevil in everything. Uh, put him in Moon Knight. Put him in She-Hulk. Uh, bring Kingpin too. Bring Jessica. Bring Luke. Keep out Danny Rand. Yep. Leave yep, Finn yep. Jones home. <laughs> um, but it was it was really cool. It was really, really fun to watch Charlie Cox catch the brick. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a, a great, 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 great scene. I loved the movie. I thought the movie was a delight. Um, it was such a blast to watch. Um, I, 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 I definitely see things in it that could have been tuned up, but I really don't care. Um, this is one of my favorite movies of the of the of the genre in quite some time. Um, it felt emotionally, in a lot of ways, like what it felt like to watch Endgame. It's been a minute since we've had that experience. So big movie at the right time that just made me feel stuff uh, really fun. Really, really, really good. Big fan. Happy. Yeah. Hogan. Again, I really I really liked it. Uh, I, it's, it's not my top Spider-Man. I do think that's still Homecoming. That movie's going to be near and dear to my heart forever and always. Um, but I really loved it. It was such a great theater experience. I haven't had one of those in like a, a, a while. Um, so it was really fun being with that crowd and having that sort of energy. And I really enjoyed it. It gets me excited for more of the MCU stuff coming up. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff we have coming up are not unknown factors anymore, right? Like, I mean, sadly, I mean, Doctor Strange is not an unknown factor. Black Panther is a sort of unknown factor. Um, there's a lot of conversation to be had around that. But we've got like stuff like that, right? The Marvels, uh, Thor, you know, Thor 4, uh, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, four? four? Uh, Guardians 3. All this stuff coming up are, I think, things that they're, they've already bet on. And uh, I think we're going to see some really cool, really fun, really big payoff stuff. Um, we've had a down period, one, because of the pandemic, and two, I think, because, you know, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and... The Eternals are such, um, I think, <laughs> out of touch with some of the stuff that we have coming up in a way uh, that I am jazzed about heading into a Marvel universe that feels like they are going to be not pulling punches. Yeah. Um, so I loved it. I agree with like all Andrew that. Garfield Spider-Man, actually. That's a thing he said. Uh, actually, give me, I just realized. <laughs> give, me more, give me more Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, please. Can you believe we're saying that more right now? More pictures Jesus. of Spider-Man. Jesus, can you believe we're saying that I right love now? it. He was so good. <laughs> or don't, and let it just be this, because he was so great. Um, just so, 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 so good. And Toby was great. It was very lovely to see him again. And it was so good to see all the villains again. And I think that the movie also did great work with the relevant story of Tom Holland and his version of Peter Parker and where he might go next. And as far as being a trilogy rapper, uh, I think um, a really, really, really well done movie um, in a way that felt very, very Spider-Man and uh, more, more centered in the titular character than, say, the other one that comes to mind as far as a trilogy ender being Captain America Civil War, which is a movie I really like a lot, but doesn't feel like it's a Captain America movie in the same way that this was inarguably a Spider-Man movie. Um, so I think as far as the, like, 
the round threes go, immediately I will get added with, obviously, Thor Ragnarok is the best third movie in a trilogy. Yes. But they're making Thor 4, so it's not. you know. Uh, and even if they make a fourth Spider-Man movie, it sounds like their intention is it's going to be totally, totally different, and it's not a sequel to these movies. I mean, as far I as- guess by that standard, then, technically, Thor 3 is the Thor 1 because it's so totally different. Yeah, so. you know, I guess. Um, feel like you're moving some goalposts here. <laughs> listen, that's the MCU for you. Uh, that's the podcast. That's our Spider-Man coverage. What did you think? We want to know. Email us, super at postshowrecaps.com. You can also email both of us directly, josh at postshowrecaps.com or kevin at postshowrecaps.com. You can talk to us on the Twitter bots. I am at Round Howard. Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo. You can talk to both of us in the Post Show Recaps patron Discord. If you like our podcast, you want to support the show support the arts we would love that patreon.com slash post show recaps come join the rollicking spider-man conversations that are continuing to happen in the post show recaps community by signing up at patreon.com slash post show recaps where you will also get a convenient way to listen to the extra podcast that kevin and i do each week talking about the x-men even though it is free to listen to at patreon.com slash post show recaps signing up is the only way to get it in your podcast catcher of choice so I'll just say for a fourth time, patreon.com slash post show recaps. We're going to be back in a couple days. The Hawkeye finale is almost upon us, Kevin. That's right. And uh, we're going to get some deep talking yeah. from a kingpin. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do a lot of fun stuff talking Hawkeye in just a couple of days. And then who knows what the future holds uh, for us here on Everything is Super. We've got some fun ideas. So stay tuned. Do not unsubscribe to the feed. Anything else, Kevin? Um. Oh man, there was one thing. Man, it's gone now. But there was a. a thing oh my god! It just it, it returned to it its returned home to universe. Its home. It's gone. Uh, uh, well, there may be more opportunities to talk about Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in I'm excited the, in to watch it ahead. again whenever I'm capable of doing so. Because right now, not does not seem the time. Does to be not doing seem it, like the but... time to do it. And uh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Uh, but I am glad that I saw the movie. Got oh, to the, say, it was a music thing. Um, I don't know if I caught it, but. Uh, I kept thinking about the main score from that first, uh, the Sam Raimi yeah. Spider-Man movies, because it's so good. I want to call that out. Like, I really love the new Spider-Man theme that they had for these 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 Tom Holland ones that did the the riff on the the OG Spider-Man theme song. But man, that that uh, Danny Elfman, I think, Danny the score yep. from that first Spider-Man, I think, is unforgettable. And I think they may have played it in this, and it's been in my head forever. I just think about it, and it just comes to mind. So it just makes it does give me the warm and fuzzies just thinking about Toby, thinking about Andrew, thinking about uh, Tom in, in these three in these roles that interact with each other. It was such just a a great experience. One thing that I also wanted to mention was I'm glad that the Statue of Liberty got decked oh in this God. movie. Get that Captain America oh, shield out of here. That you know might how, have been the worst thing you in know, this film. You know what, how what much was happening? I love Captain America. I think Captain America is my favorite Avenger, but good God, get that out of here. That is not what we're supposed to do, do here. You and you we... already made a show. You made a Broadway show about the guy. Uh, why are we? Why do we have to give Lady Liberty a, a shield? It seems and what about the disrespect to Tony Stark? We give Lady Liberty the Iron Man helmet. Or what about the disrespect to, to uh, Natasha? Paint her hair red. Paint the hair red. You know, we love Steve Rogers, but he's he's retired. He's not dead. Stop transforming so your world, do you, folks. Do you think that's something they put up to a vote? Do you think the people of New York voted for that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't love it. Uh, whatever. It's desecrated by the end of the film. Yep. I hope that they don't try to rebuild it. Uh, this does explain, though, uh, the, a line in Hawkeye. Yeah, we there's a, your modified Statue of Liberty. Yep. Uh, yeah, I get why you would want to see that because it looks like trash. Yep. Anyway, that's it. I loved the movie. Other than that, uh, really. Enjoyed 
enjoyed Spider-Man No Way Home. Very excited to see what the future holds for that. We'll be back with more Everything is Super very soon. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.